This is Lindsay Pavelic with Pavelic Brothers Farms in Pleasanton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello Texas, time again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me, buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we made it through that big winter storm last week, and thankfully it wasn't quite as bad as last year's storm. We'll check in with several Texas cattlemen to see how they made it through all of that snow and ice. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Soybean planting in the Texas High Plains might actually increase this year, but marketing limitations remain a challenge for our local farmers. I'm James Hunt and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. How farmers and ranchers dealt with winter storm Landon on the Texas Rolling Plains. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. There seems to be an increase in vegetable growing, so please join me, John Begnos. We talk about spring gardening in Texas. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The first statewide winter storm of the year is now behind us. Chris Estes is a cow-calf producer near Abilene, and he says the storm brought on a few challenges. Well, I mean, you know the fact that they have to be fed because conditions they can't find anything on their own now. So you add in the snow, the body condition of the cattle, you've got to get to them in time to get enough feed to them because, you know, try to warm them up. Well, then the fact of the snow and the ice is just getting around, logistics of getting the feed there, and then the dang net wrap, how it's stuck to every bale has been a pretty good challenge Mm -hmm. for us today. But the storm did bring some much-needed moisture in what has been a warm, dry winter so far. Well, we don't have any wheat right now for wheat grazing, so that's put us in a bind. And going forward, that's going to play into seed and hay crop. And that in your wintertime range usually brings on some winter grazing. And it'll soak down to your water table, and we're not going to get that. So I figure the water table is going to suffer coming into this year. So just how did this storm stack up against last year's? Last year's had a lot more water to break. And this time it ain't going to be last as long, so we mainly run surface earth tanks and keep water pumping into them so they don't they either don't freeze over for several days. This ain't going to be near as bad as that was last year. Cattle producer Chris Estes in the Abilene area. In central Texas, James Davis says he started making preparations for the storm on his Ellis County cattle operation last Wednesday, but it was still a challenge to get through it. Now the other challenge, you know, I think we saw here in Ellis County, most everybody did compared to last year's. Uh, we had near an inch of rain while it was about 35 degrees. So that's almost as bad on cattle as anything. So just trying to keep that body temp up. And by the next morning, of course, we saw the ice and what little snow we got. 
since then, got out there just, you know, checking water first of all. We lost water last year. The entire storm, our, our water district lost power. So we had preparations to haul water but didn't need to. Really unrolling unrolling hay uh, for, for bedding. That was the main priority. We, were, we calved about 30 days ago, so we got tons of babies and just trying to make sure that they stayed warm. Davis says he hopes the consuming public can see just how much cattle producers care for their animals during winter storms like this. Now with more coverage on the winter storm, here's Tom Nicoletti. Winter storm Landon that swept across most of Texas last week certainly had an impact on uh, farmers and ranchers. And we go up to the Rolling Plains and catch up with producer Michael White. He is in Vernon of Wilbarger County. And uh, uh, Michael, give us an idea of what you had to do to keep your cattle in check uh, during this uh, very, very cold time. Well, we definitely had a uh, blanket of snow up here in the northern Rolling Plains of Texas, probably accumulation amounts of about six inches and which a lot of it ended up in the high winds that we sustained during those two days of snow accumulations mainly wind a lot of it wound up in the roadways and caused a lot of drift problems may have sustained a few problems just with livestock as far as just with the high winds that we received during that time for the most part uh, they, they they did real well especially in some country you know that has in our part of the world we still have quite a bit of brush they were able to seek shelter in those brushy areas or against barns which is good for our area it's just a tough time you know, especially the producers that may be going through calving at this time of the year which is uh, really uh, just a lot of producers are doing that in this area right now so just create some challenging times for us well there was a couple of nights there that we probably got down to about uh, 10 degrees we get ready for those type of days and nights that uh, we'll have during the winter months sometimes and it accounts for us is to do some extra maintenance as far as breaking ice on earth ponds water troughs for the livestock but for the most part some of the uh, cropland did receive some measurable snow on it so which will provide some definite adequate needed moisture for growing crops especially the winter wheat that is rolling plains farmer and rancher michael white i'm tom nicoletti with the texas farm bureau radio network one of the highlights of the cattle industry convention each year is the market outlook from Cattle Facts. Kevin Good with Cattle Facts told cattle producers in Houston last week there is a lot of optimism in the cattle market right now. There's plenty of dollars in the system. You know, over time, more of those dollars will trickle back down to the producer level. We're starting to see that already. As you start 2022, uh, we've got cattle values for the early part of the year as high as they've been since 2016. So from a cycle standpoint, we're already trending higher. But Good says that has come at the expense of three years of herd liquidation. We don't have a lot of soybeans here in Texas, but James Hunt tells us we may see an increase in soybean planting in the Texas High Plains this year. As Texas High Plains farmers make plans for the growing season, there's been some talk that soybeans might get a little more consideration this year. For one thing, prices are strong right now. And David Gibson says soybeans also offer the advantage of requiring less fertilizer than corn. That's the big one that factors in for this year. I know friends I have in the Midwest are looking heavily at soybean acres versus corn just to being able to cut their fertilizer cost. The fertilizer cost is a big issue across all our commodities, so crops that require less are being looked at more favorable this year. Gibson, who is both the executive director of Texas Corn Producers and the administrator for the state soybean checkoff, says soybeans also need less water. Soybeans would be much like cotton, maybe a little bit more than cotton, depending on where they're at and the yields they shoot at. They're not quite as water intensive as corn. But while we might see some additional acres going to soybeans, Gibson is not expecting anything like a huge increase in the Texas High Plains. 
Soybeans can be grown here successfully, but there remains the issue of the lack of a local buyer, with the nearest crush plant being hundreds of miles away in Kansas. So, for many Texas High Plains farmers, growing other crops for forage likely remains a better option. That's going to be the main competing factor against acres it would be shipped out. We just have a real strong market here for that forage market, even though it's being grown on some of our irrigated land. It really keeps the pressure on us for what that's worth versus what we could get by growing and shipping those beans at distance. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. More Texans are growing vegetables. Horticulturalist John Begno looks at spring gardening from San Angelo. There's a great increase in growing your own vegetables and partly might be due because of the increased prices that we're seeing. And, you know, we can say it's because of inflation, the fertilizer cost, the increase in labor, trucking, whatever the reason is, we probably can't expect the vegetables that we purchased this spring to be a little bit more costly. So the growing your own, which we've done for years, and it's kind of interesting, after the inflation of the 70s, gardening became a really big hit with people. And so if you're interested, now's the time to begin the most important step, and that is the preparation. If it's new ground that you're breaking out, of course you want to get that broken out as quick as you can, tilled, plowed weeds out of there, and be aware that when you break out new ground, you're stirring that soil and dormant weeds that are going to love it, and your number one problem in gardening will be weeds. Now, if you have old ground, what it's a, a good time to do now is to incorporate some kind of organic matter. Old manure, you can buy it in a bag, you can buy compost from your own homemade compost, whatever, that organic matter is the key to exchanging nutrients and holding moisture in that soil so vegetables can grow good. Remember that gardens should be located in full sun, and that's true even if you're in West Texas, because sunlight is important to the growing of vegetables. We like to choose the vegetables that are going to be maybe the most, the hardest to find and the most expensive, like tomatoes, for instance. Everybody loves the challenge of growing tomatoes in Texas, and boy, can it be a challenge. Last year was a pretty good tomato year for many gardeners, but not every year is like that. You never want to stick with just one variety. You want to grow several varieties, two, maybe three different kinds. There are old standards, and if you go to the Aggie Horticulture webpage, you'll see varieties that are recommended for your area of Texas, not just tomatoes, squash, peppers, eggplants, even lettuce, the things that you can succeed at. And okra, remember, not everybody likes it. You don't need to plant a half acre. Okra will flourish and do well in the hot summer and is planted late into May. Reporting from San Angelo for Texas Ag Today, this is John Begno. There's a new opportunity for Texas anglers to win a prize for reeling in a fish. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And studying cats infected with coronavirus may help treat humans with the virus. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. If you're a teacher, the Texas Farm Bureau is inviting you to join us for Ag Literacy Week coming up March 21st the 25th in conjunction with National Ag Week. We want your help to inspire students to learn more accurate information about agriculture and connect it to what they're learning in the classroom. 
We're inviting kindergarten through fifth grade teachers across the state to join us in increasing agriculture literacy in the classroom by reading an educational, accurate ag book called Full of Beans, Henry Ford Grows a Car. Here's how it works. Sign up by February 11th at texasfarmbureau.org. You'll receive your free book in the mail by March 18th. Read your book to your class during National Ag Week. Then, submit a picture of you reading the book to your class on social media to be entered into a drawing for prizes. It's a free program for kindergarten through fifth grade teachers. Sign up now at texasfarmbureau.org. The sign-up deadline is February 11th. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Studying cats infected with coronavirus may help treat humans that have the virus. Dr. Bob Judd has more. Feline enteric coronavirus is very common in cats, and a large number of cats are infected. The disease causes a mild gastroenteritis and usually resolves without treatment. However, this virus can mutate, and the S protein that usually only attaches to cells lining the intestine attaches to cells in the bloodstream, and this mutated virus is called feline infectious peritonitis virus, or FIP. In contrast to the normal coronavirus, this virus is deadly in almost all cats. Mutations in coronaviruses should be familiar to all of us after the last two years of COVID-19. Vaccines have been developed for FIP, and there is one currently available, but it's been shown to be ineffective. Some cats can fight off the virus if they have a strong natural cell-mediated immunity, but if not, the disease progresses. Typically, young cats less than three years of age are affected and can develop disease of the eyes, neurologic system, fever, low red blood cell counts, and lethargy. And diagnosing the disease is even difficult, as one of the only tests shows exposure and not disease. Some cats develop fluid in the chest or abdomen, and some do not, as there is a wet and dry form. Treatment of FIP is not very effective, although some immunostimulants have been tried and sometimes help. However, there are some new therapies called coronavirus protease inhibitors. These inhibit growth of the virus, and production of a drug called GC376 is underway for cats. Also, the manufacturer, Anavive Life Sciences, is doing clinical trials on this drug for its use in treating COVID-19 in people. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a new opportunity for Texas anglers to win prizes for reeling in a fish. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. Texas anglers now have an opportunity to win a prize package just for reeling in a tagged Guadalupe bass from the lower Colorado River near Austin and Smithville. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, 30 tagged Guadalupe bass have been released into the river at locations near Little Weberville Park and near the least river access sites for the contest. From now through August 31st, any angler who catches one of the tagged fish will win a prize package and be entered into a grand prize drawing. TPWD says the contest is an effort to recognize the ecological and recreational importance of the lower Colorado River. The tagged Guadalupe bass have a visual Floy anchor tag on them with reward, clip tag, and call with a phone number and unique identification number on it. If you reel one in, take photos with the fish and the tag, preferably with a segment of the river and habitat where the fish was caught in the background. Then clip the tag from the fish and take a clear photo of the tag. 
Then call the number to claim your prize and be entered into the grand prize drawing. Gift packages include an 80-ounce Yeti bottle and a buff. All winners will be entered into grand prize drawings, which include a half-day guided trip with all-water guides, a Yeti Tundra hall cooler, and a complimentary canoe campsite rental at Texas River School. Again, that opportunity runs through August 31st. Additional details are available at cleanupthecolorado.org. That is cleanupthecolorado.org. Details are also available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market closed lower to kick off the week on Monday, mainly because we saw a big jump in the grain markets. We'll update all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas veterinary students. The Texas Farm Bureau wants to help you complete your degree. This year, the Texas Farm Bureau is offering four $10,000 scholarships to second and third-year veterinary students in a professional DVM program in Texas. Applicants must plan to enter a rural or food animal practice in Texas after finishing their degree. Applications are due March 1st. For more information, visit TexasFarmBureau.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a lower close in the cattle futures market on Monday. Live cattle actually opened the week with a higher trade, but we turned that around midday. We ended up closing lower in both live and feeder cattle. One big reason for that is probably the big run-up in corn prices that we saw on Monday. We'll get to the corn prices in just a moment. We'll start out with the cattle complex here with February live cattle down 22, 141.82. The April down 47, 146.70. June live cattle down 27 at 141.10. March feeder cattle dropped a dollar seven, 165.02. April feeders down a dollar 15 at 170.27. May feeder cattle down 62 cents, 174.72. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Monday. We wrapped up last week selling cattle as high as 140 on a live basis. That's three to four dollars higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices mixed on Monday. Choice down 66 at 279.15. Select up 88 cents, 276.93. Now let's check the auction barns. We normally walk the pens with Larry Marble, but Larry's a bit under the weather right now, so we'll check in with Carl Herman of Caldwell Livestock Commission in Caldwell, Texas. Carl, I know that weather really slowed down your most recent sale. Well, we had a sale uh, yesterday. A lot of people didn't. We had over 200 head yesterday for 45 consigners. I had 20 buyers on hand. A lot of the buyers didn't show up because of the bad weather coming, and they didn't want to get any cattle out. Anyway, we uh, took up the slack and made them bring what they're supposed to. We had 50 cows and bulls yesterday, slaughter cows 33 to 85, slaughter bulls 65 to 73, stalker cows 500 to 9 and a quarter, and no pairs. On the uh, calves on the steers, Two to three weight steers, 150 to 185. Three to four weights, 150 to 180. Four to five weight steers, 150 to 170. Five to six weights, 140 to 165. Six to seven weights, 130 to 150. On the heifers, two to three weight heifers, 125 to 140. 
three to four weights, 140 to 155. Four to five weight heifers, 135 to 150. Five to six weights, 135 to 145. And a six to seven weight heifers, 125 to 140. Well, Carl, things might have been slow because of the weather, but it looks like we're going to clear up and have a nice week coming up. What's your next sale look like? We look forward to next week. We had a lot of cattle that didn't come and are going to come next week. we got one set of about 40 really good kids. has been weaned 90 days, had two rounds of shots, had another set coming uh, pretty much the same way. So uh, we look forward to get back in action next week. So how can folks contact you, Carl? Okay, my number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're to Giddings and uh, Somerville area, call Max Hebner at 540-8676. Carl Herman with Caldwell Livestock Commission, Caldwell, Texas. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs finished higher on Monday. February hogs up 67 cents at 87.70. April hogs up $1.20, 101.27. Class 3 milk finished higher. February milk up 7, 20, 77, 100 weight, while March milk was up 28 at 21, 94, 100. The cotton market was mixed. The nearby contract dropped lower while the new crop contracts were higher. Traders waiting on Wednesday's monthly supply and demand report coming out from USDA will probably see a sideways to lower trade until we get to that report Wednesday morning. March cotton finishing 117 points lower Monday, 125.57. October cotton up 3, 108.49. December cotton up 62 points at 104.43. We mentioned earlier a big run-up in corn prices on Monday. The main reason for that was a lack of rain in South America over the weekend and a hot, dry forecast for most of that area. That helped to boost the soybean and corn markets on Monday. March corn finishing 14 and three quarters higher, 635 and a quarter. New crop September corn up nine and a half at 595 and a half. The wheat market finishing higher. Traders thinking that the winter storm we had over the plains last week really didn't put much of a dent in the continuing drought here in our part of the country. So prices continuing to climb with July Kansas City wheat up seven and a quarter, seven ninety-eight a bushel. July Chicago wheat up eight and three quarters, seven seventy and a half. In the energy markets, March natural gas down thirty-two cents at four twenty-four. March crude oil down ninety-three. At 91.38 a barrel. The financial markets narrowly mixed on Monday afternoon. The Dow up 133 points, 35,222. The NASDAQ down a point, 14,097. The SP up four at 4,505. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.